0: well good morning everybody let's go ahead and and pray a little bit for our for our service this morning dear heavenly father lord i come to you this morning just to thank you once again for us to be in your house to hear your word lord and as always i ask you lord let these be words these words be your words not my words lord and i ask you that these these words and these verses from your from your word lord they 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 get into our hearts and our minds and they make us think lord and not just that we're here, just hear these words, and they rattle around, and they were gone, but that they change our lives, Lord, and they change how we how we interact with each other, Lord, and, and how we just view you and your word, Lord, and I ask you just to be with us the rest of this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, guys, so we've been talking for several weeks now about, we started off with unthankfulness, and, and thank, well, we started off with thankfulness and unthankfulness, and that led us down the road to you know what brings on that, and a lot of that is pride. And then we went into how pride brings you with bitterness, and how if you uh, if you just hold on to that bitterness, it brings you to anger. So we're gonna keep working on anger today, and seeing if we have anger, and maybe we need to deal with it, and how we should deal with it, and what exactly is anger, you know. And the more important thing is, what does the Bible say about anger? Because it doesn't what say doesn't matter what man says about it or or men's counselors or self help books, because that doesn't matter. That's a man's opinion. We need God's opinion, the one that created us. And God actually created anger, and we'll see that. It's created for a reason. <clears throat> but unfortunately, we don't use it for that reason. We use it for our own little purposes. So let's start off. Let's look at uh, Psalms 37. Psalms 37 and verse 8. I wonder why the words weren't looking right There's no glasses Psalms 37 Verse 8 and the Bible tells us Cease from anger I mean that should be enough right there right We could just stop the lesson The Bible says cease from anger Forsake wrath Fret not thyself In any wise to do Evil Okay, So What are we talking about here? Well, this is what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about anger and wrath, right? And and it's funny how anger and wrath is wrapped right in that verse right there with don't do evil. Hmm. You think that's a coincidence? Or God is trying to tell us something? Anger and wrath will lead you to evil, right? So handling anger is an important life skill. It's something we need to learn. We're not born with the knowledge. We have to learn it. And God allows us to go through things, hard times and good times, to learn, to improve ourselves, right? And and it's something that we need to look at. And if you look at Christian counselors, they say that 50% of the people, this is Christian counselors, 50% of the people that come into counseling for any reason, the underlying reason is they're dealing with anger. They don't know how to deal with it is the problem, okay? And anger, think about it. Anger can shatter, our, shatter and destroy our communication, it can tear apart relationships, and it can ruin both the joy that we have in life and peace, and it can also ruin our health. We went through that last week. All the detrimental effects of anger on our just our health. And sadly, sadly today, uh, people tend to justify their anger. How often do we do that? We justify our anger Instead, instead of accepting responsibility for it. Because if we accept, accept responsibility, what goes hand in hand with that? Well, we have to, number one, admit we're wrong. And then we have to do something called forgiveness. And that's tough. Those two right there are huge for human beings, right? And, and think about it. Everyone struggles with anger. Everybody in this room struggles with anger. There's not one in here that goes, oh, I never get angry. If you do, you're lying. Okay, so now you're double sinning, right? So everyone struggles with it, and it might be just a little bit, you know. You see those people that are just seem like they're always at peace, and, you know, they always got it going on. Yeah, well, they do, but they probably they still have a struggle with anger. Maybe they control it better, you know. Maybe they've learned through the Bible how to control it, okay? So we have to look at that. You know, we all do it with very, various degrees of anger, and, and thankfully, God's Word does contain something. It contains principles that... Regarding how to handle our anger. And it, and it tells us how to handle it in a godly way. Not in a worldly way. Not in a way we think we should handle it. It's the way God thinks we can handle it. And I found out in my own life that a lot of times the way I think I should handle something, and I look at God's word and I go, well, that was completely wrong. Oops. Because we're not doing what God tells us to do. And that's where we make our huge mistakes, right? <clears throat> so we knew we needed to do that so we can overcome anger. And it's not just overcoming anger; it's overcoming sinful anger. Okay, because there is some good anger, there's some righteous anger. And we're going to look at that. Let's go to uh, Psalms chapter seven, verse eleven. Psalm seven eleven. <clears throat> Psalm seven. How many of y'all remember seven elevens? Okay, you're old. They're coming back. I remember the big gulp. That was amazing. Psalm 711, the Bible says, nothing about big gulps, but it says, God judgeth the righteous. Here's the key right here. And God is angry with the wicked every day. God is angry with the wicked every day. Keep that in mind, okay? Let's go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. (coughs) In verse 5. Mark, chapter three, verse five says, and when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the men, the man stretch forth thine hand and he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. And this is when Jesus healed on the Sabbath. But the Pharisees were there. Oh, he's healing on the Sabbath. He's a blasphemer. He knew their hearts, right? And he was angry with them. So we see these two things right here of anger. God's anger with the righteous every day. Jesus was angry with these people because they were against him. Okay? But God is not wrong. This is anger that is not sin. Okay? This is not sin right here. And this type of anger, this is what the Bible approves of and is often called righteous indignation. Okay? And God is angry with the wicked every day. Okay? He's not sinning. He's angry with wickedness, with evil, okay? And Jesus was angry with those who were what? Were against God. Pretty simple because that's evil, right? So let's go to Ephesians 426. Ephesians 426. Ephesians 4 Verse 26. Ephesians, is is, we're going to hit it a lot today because it's got some good stuff in it. Ephesians 4, verse 26. The Bible says, and we've read this a lot, but this is a keystone verse right here. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So we see right here, it's okay. It's okay for Christians to be angry for the right reasons, right? But here's the kicker. You can be angry for the right reasons, but it can turn to sin because you stay angry and you have a grudge. And that grudge gets bigger and bigger. And we talked about that. And that leads to pride because you won't admit you got a grudge, and then you got bitterness, and then you've got even anger, but now it's sinful anger. Okay? So this is what we're talking about, and it, it can lead to bitterness very quickly. That's why God said Bless you. Don't let the sun go down upon your anger. Because if the sun goes down upon your anger, God created us. He knows us. As humans, by morning, we're going to be really mad. And it's going to be burning us up. And you're probably going to wake up. And the first thing you're going to think of is, I'd like to punch that person in the face. Okay, what have you done? You've let it sit there and stew all night long. And now you're bitter, right? And then you're going to see what happens to your life after that and the decisions you make. They're going to be The decisions you make are going to be based on your anger. And your bitterness, not on what God tells you to do. Okay? So that's what we're looking at right here. And in the the New Testament, there are two Greek words for anger. Okay? One means passion or energy. Passion or energy. The other one means agitated or boiling. And that would be the part of the anger you have when you're getting that grudge, right? You're boiling inside. You're boiling all night long. You're agitated. And you wake up thinking about it. Right? Right? That's the one we're talking about. So basically, and biblically, anger is an emotion that is given to us by God to help us solve problems. Because when we're angry, we're going to find a solution, right? Because it's, it's irritating us, right? It's agitating us. We have to find a solution. So God put it there for a good reason, but we kind of, we warp it like men and women do. We pervert what God created and make it wrong, so let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. And we're going to read quite a bit. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Y'all follow along with me and just listen to this the story of David and Nathan, okay? Chapter 12, and in verse 1, it starts And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and as he came unto him, And said unto him, There are two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished up, and it and it grew uh, and it grew up together with him, and with his children, and did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came up a traveller unto the rich man and he spared to take his own take of his own flock and of his own herd and dress it for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said, unto, said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Well, we all know what he's telling him about, but we're going to get there. But you see, David was angry at a problem, right? He was angry at something that was an injustice. Let's read on. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house. And thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. So he's saying God gave David so much and he would even give any more. But David sinned. Right, And we know that, and that's what what Nathan's bringing to light here. says, Wherefore, hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will rise up, rise up evil against thee of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun, for thou didst it secretly. But I will do this thing before you, before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. That's where we need to get when we get angry and we get bitter. Okay, Right there, I have sinned against the Lord. Maybe you've sinned against other people, but it needs to be first, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord hath also put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Okay, so all that the Lord was going to do, he said, I'll, I'll back off now. Because why? Because you realize that you've sinned against God and you've got it right. You made it right with God, right? Howbeit, because this deed hath done, hath, hath had great Great occasion to the enemies of the Lord, to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So he had to pay for his sin. He had to pay for it, right? And Nathan departed under his house, and the Lord struck the child that that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. How about if we would do that when we figure out that we're angry and bitter against someone and we're sinning? Okay, we get it right with God, and we get it right with the other person. Could we lay all night upon the earth crying? Or do we just shed a few little crocodile tears and we think all everything's all hunky dory again, right? No. You need to be broken because of the stuff you do. And the elders of this house of his house arose and went with went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass On the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Okay? What did he do? David got it right. He spent time grieving, spent time, you know, praying to God and not even eating. Okay? But then when the time, when it was over, he got back up and he got right with God, but he didn't stay down. He didn't stay beat down. He didn't stay bitter, didn't stay angry, didn't stay depressed. He got up, he cleaned himself up, and he worshiped the Lord. And that's what we're supposed to do. So let's go on. It says, then he came to his own house. And when he required it, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then, he, then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said... While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious unto me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Okay? And that's the way we are. If we're angry and bitter and full of pride, when we get to the point that we realize it, and we get it right with God, and we get it right with whoever we're bitter with, then we move on. It's past. That's part about letting the past go. You can't dwell on that, because if you do, if David would have kept dwelling on the death of this child, he would have been bitter again and again and again and again. And guess what? He had been dropping into sin again because now he's building back up that anger. When you get get to that point and you let it go and you let it go with God and you let it go with whoever you're mad at, then it's gone. The past is gone. Move on. Okay, and this is exactly what David did here and but David was originally angry he had ju- he had righteous anger because of what Nathan was telling him about that the other guy that was righteous but then he realized it was his sin it was his bitterness it was his anger right So let's go to John chapter two John chapter two <clears throat> verse 13 where's, where we'll start <coughs> two verse 13. Through verse eighteen. And the Bible says, And the Jews Passover was at hand, and Jesus went, went up to Jerusalem, and found the temple, those that sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep, and the oxen, and poured out the changers of money, and overthrew the tables, and said unto them, that sold doves, take these things. Hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, "The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up." Then answered the Jews, and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou dost these things? Okay, well, what was Jesus doing? He was angry, right? But he wasn't sinning. And he definitely didn't let it go down on the sun go down on his anger, did he? He dealt with it. He made a scourge and he beat those people that were doing evil in the temple. Okay? Well, Jesus was angry over what some Jews were doing. They were defiling the worship of God's temple in Jerusalem, right? But he was righteous in this. It was not a bad anger. And both of these examples that we just looked at, they're biblical anger, and they involve. They, um, these examples of anger in, involve, um, they don't involve self-defense. You know, I'm not defending myself against you. What were they doing? They were defensive of others, or they were defensive of a principle as in the, in the temple. You know, we don't make God's house a house of worship, I mean a house of merchandise. You know, we don't come in here with eating a burrito. You know, we don't come in here, you know, drinking our Big Gulp. And we don't come in here wearing shorts and flip-flops. We come in here to be respectful because we're here to worship a holy God, okay? And that's what Jesus was doing. He walked in, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I think about it today. Some of these bigger churches you see on TV, and you look at some of the people there and how they're acting, I bet God would go in there with a scourge, wouldn't he? Jesus would have a field day, okay? But that was righteous because it was appropriate, right? Let's go to James, James chapter 1. James chapter 1 in verse 19 19 and 20. And the Bible says, "Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Okay? How are we? We're probably pretty swift. We're, 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 it says swift to hear. We're very slow to hear, aren't we? When we're mad at somebody, are we listening to what they're saying? No, we're yelling at them because we want to get our point across. So we've failed there. Are we slow to speak? Nope. Our mouth is babbling so fast we don't know what to do. We don't even know the words that are coming out anymore, right? And then it says slow to wrath. How fast does our anger go from zero to 60? Faster than a Porsche? Maybe faster than a Ferrari? Probably. But we see here that anger can become sinful when it's motivated by pride. Our pride, because our feelings are hurt, because we think we feel like we've been done wrong, we've talked about that. feelings get us in so much trouble. We feel like we've been done wrong, so we're going to make that other person pay. And this is what I'm going to do. First I'm going to rip you apart, and then I'm going to do whatever. you know That is wrong because that's pride. First Corinthians chapter 10. let's look at that one. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians, chapter 10 and verse 31. First Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 31. And the Bible says. Whether there, therefore ye eat or drink. Whatsoever ye do. OK. Whatsoever ye do. Do all in the glory of God. Do all in the glory of God. So anger becomes sinful when it is unproductive and it distorts God's purposes. Think about that in your life. If you're angry, you're definitely not serving God. Your fellowship's broken. You're probably not, your prayers aren't being heard. And whatever you're trying to do for God is not working. Because you're angry and you're holding it. And it's boiling inside you, right? And this anger, um, anger is not glorifying God, okay? It is not going to glorify God. It, and you think about What are the results of being angry and not glorifying God, right? They're detrimental to your life. They're detrimental to those people around you. Okay, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 again. Like I told you, Ephesians 4 is like the go-to chapter for anger. It's got a lot in there. Ephesians 4, and we're going to read 26 and 27. 26 and 27, the Bible says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Right? Here we go. Neither give place to the devil. Wow. That's pretty bad, isn't it? So anger becomes fit, sinful when it is allowed to linger and just boil and stay in our hearts. Right? And by not, in getting, not getting things right with God or getting things right with whoever you're angry with, it's called holding a grudge. And when we, when we do that, when we hold that grudge and we let the sin go down upon our anger, what are we doing? We're taking the door of our heart and we're kicking it completely off the hinges. Not only open, it's off the hinges. It's not even there to stop Satan because we just opened it and said, Come on in, buddy. Let's get this party started. Let's get my bitter, my bitter anger boiling, right? So Satan j- jumps in there and he's going to give you all the influences he can because now he's going to start telling you things about that other person that you're mad at. And they're probably not true. Okay? And you're going to see things wrong because now your ver- vision is distorted because you've broken your fellowship with God. So you're seeing things wrong. And now you're really angry, right? Yeah. You thought they were driving a brown car. And oh, Satan told you it's purple and you hate purple. I don't know. Whatever it is. But you're burning and he's just, he's there going, oh, I got this. Here's your next card. Here you go. Keep going. And then he lies to us and we believe those lies, right? And he's not lying to you about yourself usually. He's usually lying to you about the other people because he wants to keep you angry at them. Because if he can keep you angry, your fellowship's broken with God and he wins. Because now you're not doing any good for God. Your prayers aren't being heard and you definitely can't witness to anybody. You're worthless. And those people that you've told you're a Christian and now they see this anger, they're going to go, this is a Christian? Huh, I don't want that. And Satan keeps you trapped in your anger. And it's just a it's a self self-eating circle that just eats you up, okay? Let's go, Ephesians, same chapter, verses 15 through 20. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 15 to 20, the Bible says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which, which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testifying in the Lord that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, that would be anger, having the understanding, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Blindness of your heart? Your heart doesn't have eyes, but we all know that your heart is the hub of everything, right? The blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, hath have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. Wow. So obviously, one obvious sign that, that anger has, has turned into sin is when instead of attacking the problem at hand, you attack the other person with anger. Who you're angry with, you're going to keep on attacking that person. They can do no right because you have been wronged and your feelings have been hurt, right? And we see that we're able to speak the truth in what? In love. And to use, the word, use our words to build each other up. We're not supposed to tear each other down. We're supposed to not allow mean and destructive words to come out of our mouths. But do we do that when we're angry? If I'm angry at at Charlie here, am I going to go up to him and go, Oh, you're so pretty. Your hair looks so nice today. No, I'm not. I'm going to tell him, you know, that's an ugly tie. You're a freak. I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm going to be mean, right? Because I'm angry. That's what we do, okay? And this will lead to devastation, not only in your life, but I'm not, and then it's in whoever you're angry with, it's going to destroy their life. And it's going to destroy everybody around you, your family, your church, and it just keeps going. And it's going to eventually start messing with your work. Maybe you'll get so angry you'll do something stupid at work and you get fired. And then you're going to even more angry because now you don't have a paycheck to pay $8 for a dozen of eggs, right? That's what anger does, and it controls you. <clears throat> so let's look at, um, we're supposed to, well, just talk about this. We're, we're supposed to, everything's supposed to come out of our heart. It's supposed to. It will come out of your mouth. If it's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. You can't control it, okay? It's like a, you know, I-45 freeway. But it should be love, not hate, okay? Romans 3.13. Let's go there. Romans 3, verse 13 through 14. <clears throat> and the Bible says, Their throat is an open sepulcher, with their tongues they have used deceit the poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness there you have it right there right right there so unfortunately we see that this poisonous speech that is so common to fallen man is because of our anger because we're holding on to something somewhere right proverbs 29:11 proverbs 29:11 Proverbs 29, verse 11. Wrong page. There we go. Proverbs 29 and 11. A fool uttereth all his mind. Think about that. When you're angry, your mouth opens up and everything floods out. So a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth until afterward. So a wise man will listen to you, right? Even if you're angry, you're going to still listen to each other. That's part of communication. If you come to me angry... Tell me what you're angry about. And when you're finished, then you listen to me explain so we can have a discussion and we can deal with this anger, okay? But if you come to me and you just open your mouth, the hinge drops open, and everything comes out from today all the way back till when you know, I don't know, 400 years ago. And you're... And then when you're exhausted, you're too mad to talk to them and you walk away. You've done nothing but destroy, okay? And that's what we typically do. and And... That's what anger does. It becomes a sin when it allows to boil over. And now we, we can't even restrain it when it's boiling over. You ever had a, a pot of boiling water so hot that it's maybe bubbling over the edges? Can you grab that pot up and hold it? Nope. Well, you can. Probably won't hold it for very long. And you're going to get hurt. So it's going to cause destruction. Same thing that, that anger does to us. And the, the scenario is that when we're hurt and we're angry, it's multiplied for everyone around us. And the one who is angry and the one who they're angry with, it just becomes a, a bitter battle, okay? And this, is, this will only leave destruction and devastation in everyone's lives. And, and often the consequences of out anger sometimes is irreparable because you've held on to anger so long and you've done so much wrong that it's hard to repair it. Maybe you can rebuild it, but it'll never be the same, right? And you can build it better if you build it with God, right? So, have we ever seen someone that's so out of control because of their anger that's lingered with them there for so long that it destroys a marriage? It destroys a church? You know, I've, you, we've all heard about it. Families that have just separated. And you talk to somebody, yeah, I haven't talked to my family in 10 years. Wow, that's a long time to not talk to your family. You know? How many people go to the grave because they're mad? and they don't talk to someone that's a friend, family member, how often does that happen? And they're taking bitterness straight with them, right? So let's go back to Ephesians, our go-to chapter. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 26. Ephesians 4, 26. We're going to read 26 and 27 again. Remember this? But be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither neither give place to the devil. So we see here that anger also becomes sin. And and when the angry one refuses to be pacified, they refuse to be pacified. You know, they are holding on to that grudge. And I don't care what happens. I'm going to get back at them. You're being vengeful now, right? You're way over, right? And you keep it all inside, and it just builds up. And guess what it makes you have? It makes you depressed. It makes you irritable. And guess what? When you're depressed and irritable, you can blow up at little bitty things, you know? All of a sudden, you got a hangnail, and you're taking a hatchet at people around you because of your hangnail, okay? You blow up at anything. You're very irritable. You can't even be. can't even usually just interact with people on a normal basis. Those are the people that you look at, and you go, Man, they're always mad. And people start avoiding them, don't they? You know those people. You've been around them. They're always mad. You can't do anything to make this person happy, right? And it's often because of an unrelated underlying problem that they won't let go. It's making them bitter, making their life pure misery, bless you, but they won't let it go. It's kind of funny, isn't it? It's like if, you know, the the, the bus takes off and I grab onto the bumper and I'm dragging along the the ground thinking, man, this asphalt's tearing all my skin off, but I'm not going to let go. You're doing it to yourself, right? So the, the, the angry person, they easily explode over nothing because they're boiling on the inside like that pot. You know, we can't grab it up, we can't stop it, but they're constantly just ready to explode, right? This point, if you get to this point in your life, you're very dangerous, very dangerous. It's dangerous for you, it's dangerous for those around you. And usually when people get to this point, not usually, but sometimes this is what leads them to suicide. They can't control their anger. They're so out of control. They're so mad at everybody. Now nobody wants to be around them, so now they're alone. And they're alone because they want to be. But then they're mad because they're alone. So they just go down that spiral, and they get to the bottom, and they don't know how to look up. Or their pride is so strong, they won't look up to God and say, I'm sorry. And they end their lives. Okay, we see it all the time. Proverbs twenty eight. Let's go back there again. Proverbs twenty eight thirteen. <clears throat> Proverbs twenty eight verse thirteen says the Bible says, He that covereth covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsake them shall have mercy. Wow, great verse, right? Let's go to 1 John because that ties in with it. We're going to look at this one. 1 John 1, 1.9. 1 John 1.9. Think about what we just read in Proverbs and look at this. 1 John 1, 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, which would be our anger, or whatever we've done to others, right? He, who is that? God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, here's the great part, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which is your sin. Okay? So we can handle anger biblically by recognizing and admitting our prideful anger and the wrong of handling the anger way we have. Because we, when we handle it, it's sin. This confession should be to God, but this confession also should be to those that we have hurt because of our anger. Right? Not only the ones we've hurt, maybe the one we're angry with. There's a lot of people we need to go talk to, right? If we're this way. And we should not minimalize this sin by making excuses for it and blaming others. How often do we do that, right? And this is typically when we see an angry person, they refuse to get right with God. They're just not going to have it because they're angry. And this person hurt me, and I'm going to be angry, right? And those that have hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. Okay? But if they do get to a point to where they have to apologize, either somebody fronts them and they force them or, you know, somebody tells them you really need to apologize and get this right, they go apologize and they go, well, I'm sorry for being angry and treating you like this, but. And here it comes. But. But, that but is always followed by reasons that justify their anger while not accepting the full responsibility for what they've done. They're going to say, but, You stepped on my toe, and you looked at me wrong, and you drove out of the driveway fast or whatever. But it's their anger, but they're blaming it on everybody else, right? So that apology is worth what? Nothing, okay? They will not take responsibility for their actions and their words. And that is, what was that word? Pride. There you go. It's pride. So we can handle anger biblically by seeing God in this trial. Is he there with you? Yes, he is, and we need to seek Him, and we need to find him, right? And this is especially important when people have done something to offend us. When somebody's done something really to offend us, seek God in that trial, and then let him guide you through this. Don't hold a grudge, don't get all bitter. Let's go to James chapter one. James chapter one, verses two through four. James 1, verses two through four. And the Bible says, "My brethren, this is Christians count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Really? We should be in joy when we're having some temptation? I mean, some problems in our lives? Yes, we should, because God's going to allow us to grow if we look to him, right? So it says right here in verse 3, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's an amazing promise from God, right there, right? Let's go to Romans eight. There's even more that God gives us. Romans eight, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. And the Bible says, "And we know that all things work together for the good, for good to them that love God, to them who are, who are the calling, the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He has did." predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren okay one more let's go to genesis chapter 50 let's go to the beginning of the bible let's see if this anger and bitterness thing and and was that way back then too and the forgiveness bless you genesis 50 verse 20 but as for you You thought evil against me. And that's that angry person, right? But God meant it for unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So we're looking at here, these verses we're looking at, they they point to the fact that God is sovereign. And over every circumstances and every person that crosses our path, he is sovereign. We need to understand that. We need to learn that, right? That's part about turning all the problems over to him. He already he can handle them. We can't, right? Because we get angry, and nothing happens to us that God doesn't allow us to go through. And and though God does not allow, uh, though God does allow. I'm sorry, He does allow bad things to happen, right? He's always faithful to redeem us from those, and, and and it's all for the good of His people. You're gonna go through trying times. You're gonna have times where you're really angry, but He gives you an out. He gives you a way to resolve it. Okay. So let's keep going. We're only halfway done. Psalms 145. Psalms 145, verses 8 and 9. And verse 17. Psalm says, The the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and of great mercy. Don't you wish everyone was, right? It says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Now drop down to verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. So this basically is saying that God is good. Right? And God is not only good, God is a good God. Because he loves us, right? And he reflecting on this truth, and we need to reflect on this truth until it moves into our heads and we understand it, and then we can push it down into our hearts. Because then we will have change in our hearts. And we will have change in our hearts to react different to those around us that hurt us. Because we're looking at it as God looks at it, not as the way we look at it. Because if we look at it, I'm going to punch you in the throat, right? It's exactly what you want to do. You know, you ever wake up in the morning and look at your spouse and go, mm. right in the throat. I know because I've heard her say that. So and that's why I sleep way on the other side of the bed, out of her arms rights, right? So that's the way we are. We've got to look at it through God's eyes. And we can handle anger biblically by making room for God's wrath. He's going to be angry. He's angry, right? But it's righteous anger, right? And this is especially important for those cases of injustice. When evil men hurt innocent people, we can be angry with that. Okay? When you hear on the 6 o'clock news that this guy went over here and did something really evil to someone, yeah, I'm pretty mad at that person. But that's righteous because he's evil. And we need to allow God to deal with that, right? Okay, back to Genesis 50. Y'all are going to look at the beginning of the Bible and make you go there. Genesis 50, 19. 50, verse 19 says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I, for am I in the place of, of God? Let's go to Romans 12, 19. These go together. Trust me. Romans 12, 19. You're going from one end of the Bible to the other. I know. It's terrible. Romans 12, verse 19. And the Bible says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So if you're bitter and angry and you're to the point of being vengeful, you're sinful. God says, that's my point. If somebody has done an injustice to you, he will pay that back, not you, right? And that's how we can handle this anger biblically is by, by returning good for evil. Remember, we've talked about that. Return good for evil, okay? And, and the key to changing our angers, that's the key to changing our anger from anger to love. And let God deal with it, right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Oh, man, come on. Matthew chapter 5. No, am I? I went Genesis and I went Romans, right? We're gonna, oh, I did. Genesis 18. Woo. Ooh, I did skip down there. There's too many Genesis here. Genesis 18. We're going to finish this page. Come on. Genesis 18, 25. Glad somebody's watching. The Bible says, That be far from thee... To do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right. So we see God is righteous and just right and we can trust trust him because he knows all and he sees all and he will act justly in in on our behalf right. We should not play God. Don't be vengeful. That's his part. Okay, Genesis fifty twenty one. I did jump down a few verses. Man, y'all caught me. I guess. I think it's because I hear everybody and I know it's, I'm almost done and I'm running out of time. And you keep talking. Genesis fifty twenty one. Now, therefore, fear not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Romans twelve twenty one. Whew! It's jumping back and forth, it's getting me. We're gonna finish this. They may have to make Sunday school go longer next week. Don't say that. Romans twelve twenty one. Be not over, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. That that biblically returning of good to evil. And this is the key to changing the anger, our anger into love, right? Our anger into love. Let's see where we're at. Let's stop right there, guys. We are going to have to finish next week. But this is very important, and and we don't want to rush it because this anger will eat us alive, okay? It will destroy our lives. It will destroy our families. It will destroy our churches. And like I said, there's probably so many examples we could call that we know that people that have been angry for a number of years or maybe all their life, and they die alone and miserable. And it's all because their pride won't let them bow down to the one holy God and look up and say, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you. And get it right with God. And then get it right with whoever we've hurt. Maybe it's over years. You may have a list of people you need to make it right with. But you need to do it because it's 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 a poison. And it's inside of us and it's eating us. Okay. I'll make a mark there too, son. Where I'm at. Part three, baby. And there's a part four, too, so it's gonna get really weird. Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again today just to. Thank you Lord for letting us just open your word and be be very candid and open about this anger and bitterness and pride and how they all work together to just destroy us Lord and destroy our lives and our families and our churches and our homes and just everything our relationships all around us when all we have to do is give it to you Lord and get it right with you and just get that fellowship back with you and Lord just start serving you and actually listening to you and submitting to you Lord and God has asked you to be with us the rest of this day as we continue to worship and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.